Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag. Bob McElligant coming to you live and direct from Calgary, Alberta, where the Blue Jackets start a four-game road trip tonight when they take on the Flames. Calgary tonight, Edmonton on Wednesday, Vancouver on Friday, Seattle on Saturday. That's the way this trip shapes up for the Blue Jackets, who come into the trip after getting a nice win at home on Saturday night over the San Jose Sharks. A a really nice and an impressive win for the Blue Jackets. They just had that debacle on Thursday when they had a 3 to nothing lead after one period and then gave up five unanswered goals to the Anaheim Ducks. And then they come back on Saturday, did not play well in the first period of the game on Saturday, fell behind to the Sharks 2 to nothing, and then came to life. Came to life in a big way and really came to life, quite frankly, when Matthew Olivier started a fight. A fight right off the faceoff, trailing two to nothing. Now, there was a time where coaches would go crazy if their team had a two to nothing lead and one of their players decided to fight because the fear is to give any kind of momentum to that other team, and a fight could do that. And it did do it that night. It happened on Thursday, too. The Blue Jackets were up by two, and Olivier fought in the game against the Ducks. That didn't turn that game because the Blue Jackets came back and got the next goal and they went up three to nothing. So I wouldn't say that the fight specifically turned that game, but I thought it turned the game on Saturday without question. The Blue Jackets had some momentum. Then they get a power play. Then Johnny Gaudreau scores on the power play. Can you believe that hadn't happened all year? Could you believe that he did not have a power play goal all year until Saturday? I couldn't believe it, but it was true. So he gets that goal. About a minute and 12 seconds later, Boone Jenner comes up with a goal. All of a sudden, you're looking at a 2-2 game. And then you fall behind, 3-2, come back and tie it, 3-3, and go on and finish the job and get the win. Doing it in front of a sellout crowd at Nationwide Arena. All was well on Saturday. But as they say, that was Saturday. Today is a new day. And today is going to be a big challenge taking on the Calgary Flames. Although... The Blue Jackets do lead the season series against the Flames one game to none because they beat them at Nationwide Arena a couple of weeks ago. In a 3-1 to one win in that one, it was a really good game. It was one of the Blue Jackets' best games that they had played throughout the course of the year. And this game has a lot of meaning to it because Johnny Gaudreau is returning to Calgary for the first time since he opted to leave as an unrestricted free agent this past summer. So it's a homecoming for him. How will he be welcomed? I think we can all guess that without having experienced it yet. We can take our best guesses. We all think we, we, all think we know how it's going to go and the reaction that he's going to get here. And you'll hear uh, some comments from Johnny here in just a couple of minutes. I'll let him talk about that. But first, I want to tell you that this is your show. I want to remind you, this is your show. This is your forum. This is your opportunity to ask questions uh, that you would like to ask about the Blue Jackets. So if you haven't already sent me a question via Twitter, at Bobby Max Sports, which you can do, you're always welcome to do. Uh, if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. I'll bring you on, and you can ask me your question live and direct. So Johnny Gaudreau. 
came into the National Hockey League as a member of the Calgary Flames, played here in Calgary for a long time, and now returns wearing a different uniform. I love the fact that it's a completely different uniform. Like, it's there's hardly any red in this uniform, right? We used to wear the red pants on the road. Now, this year, they changed. They wear the blue pants. So, he was a guy that was decked out in red for his entire career. Now, he's coming back in here totally decked out in blue, blue and white. It'll be great. So, uh, the reception that he's going to get tonight, I I think it's going to be a mix, but uh, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that are not happy about the way Johnny left. Plenty of fans that won't be happy about the way that he left here, and um, they will probably look to voice that displeasure at some point tonight. But we'll still have an appreciation for what he did in his time as a Calgary Flame. A couple of days ago, in uh, or after practice, Johnny Gaudreau was asked about his return to Calgary and looking forward to it and what he expected when he got here. So this is what he was projecting a couple of days ago, and we'll find out later on tonight how close he is in his prediction and and, uh, see how right he is in the way the fans react here in Calgary. Well, no, I mean, I'm excited to go back for sure, but, um, you know, it was just all the – you kept talking about talking about it, so – uh, you know, I was kind of over that, but um, you know, I'm excited to go back. Excited to see some some familiar faces and some uh, some uh, different other different people, and see my old teammates play against them, playing the dome again. So it'll be fun. Do you feel like it's affected you at all? Like the looming date? Has it has it been in your mind? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it would have been nice to just do it in October, November, but um, no, that's all right. I mean, um, you know, it's given me opportunity, kind of you know, play with these guys and, you know, get to know this organization and everything. And, you know, now, you know, these guys are, you know, excited and uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, get a big win. I'm, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, you've probably never heard booze at any point of your career until yeah, probably still this, this year in some yeah, places? Yeah, in Edmonton probably. Okay, yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but Kachuk probably got the most of those in yeah. Edmonton. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely the first season. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, they, there's some passionate fan bases in the NHL, and Canada's a uh, you know a different level. Um, they love their team, and uh, that's why I love playing there so much. And I love playing there for being part of that organization for you know 12, 13 years. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun to go back. Do those get you? I don't know in any way prepared for a game like this. Will that will that make it easier? Sort of the the response you got in Philly and, and on Long Island, I think the two places where you heard it from fans, does that make yeah. what you may hear Monday easier? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't expect to hear what I heard, and I think it was the Devils you're yeah. talking about. Okay. Um, but, yeah, maybe a little bit get me prepared. But, uh, you know, I mean, I guess nothing though, really. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a completely different experience, you know. Um, you know, they, uh, they were so supportive for my entire time there, and... You know, like I said, they're a passionate fan base, and uh, they love their flames. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So that is Johnny Gaudreau talking about his return to Calgary, which takes place here tonight. And uh, and we'll see. We'll see how many of those uh, boos that he faces as the Flames fans get to welcome him back to the Scotiabank Saddledome here this evening. But it is going to be fun. And for the Blue Jackets, it's going to be a game that is very easy to attach emotion to because they will want to win this game for Johnny Gaudreau. 
So if you worry about any kind of a letdown, coming off a big win at home on Saturday, this is a team that has struggled and putting wins together throughout the course of the season. So, you know, if you have any concerns about, well, will they be up for this game? Will they just be happy about uh, the win that they got on Saturday? And and um, will they be able to attach themselves to this game tonight? The answer is yes. Absolutely 100% without question. They're going to be able to get an emotional attachment to this game tonight. And it, it'll start this morning when we go over for the morning skate in just a bit, uh, Johnny is going to meet with the Calgary media. And uh, and again, it'll be his first time as a Blue Jacket. Now, he talked to a lot of them, I'm sure, on his way out. Um, he talked to some of them that made the trip to Columbus. But uh, he's going to get uh, he's going to get put in front of them here uh, later today, this morning, before the game even starts. So um, it'll be good. It'll be good. But his teammates want to win for him. There's no doubt about that. They want to win for themselves. They, they want to start putting together wins. Nobody likes losing. You know, we can talk all about is the best option to try to bottom out and is it to try to get that first overall pick. And, I mean, the answer to that is probably yes, being that Connor Bedard is going to be the first overall pick. But, but nobody likes to lose. This is not fun. It's, it's not fun to go to the rink and, and come out of there with a loss. Uh, when you're on the road like this, it's not fun to go and play a game and lose and have to get on the bus and then get on the plane and you go to the hotel. You know, we always talk about – the, uh, the team bonding aspect of things when you're on the road. And that's great, but it's also a double-edged sword. And uh, what, do, what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean when I say that it's a double-edged sword? Well, I'll tell you exactly what I mean. It, you're, when you're on the road and you're just dealing simply with um, your teammates, right? I mean, your family's not with you. If you have a wife or kids, girlfriend, whatever it is, you know, nobody's nobody's here, and you're just concentrating on playing hockey and being with your teammates. Simply that. When you win, that's great, because then you're just reveling in all the, the good feelings, right? But when you lose, and then you lose a couple, now you're just stuck in that hotel room, and all you're thinking about is, how did I make this mistake? How could I have done that better? Why didn't this happen? Uh, who should have done this? You know, that it's so... You know, it goes both ways. And uh, nobody likes this losing. Nobody at all. These guys want to win. They want to win in a big way. And they do want to win this game tonight for Johnny Gaudreau. And that would make it two in a row if they could do that. And then they want to go into Edmonton in a couple of nights. That's an easy game to have an attachment to because you're playing against Connor McDavid, who is uh, one of the best in the world. And, you know, you get that opportunity to play against him and, and you want to do well against him and all that stuff. So um, this I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a good trip uh, for a lot of reasons. And, and I think we'll find out even more about this team as we go along. So it all starts tonight here in Calgary, the return of Johnny Gaudreau to take on the Calgary Flames. Once again, if you have a question, you can send it to me on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports. If you're on Twitter spaces right now, you can just go ahead and request to be a speaker, and I will bring you up, and you can ask your question. Um, let's see what uh, I have here as far as questions. Uh, Morgan Ben says, the toughest or easiest parts of this road trip? Uh, toughest part of this road trip, well, <laughs> playing Connor McDavid, I just told you, will be fun, but uh, that it's tough, too. Um, and this is a trip that there, there's not a lot of time, obviously. I mean, we just left yesterday, and we were delayed in leaving because of the snow in Columbus. Oh, my goodness. 
Um, it is not. I don't know if I've ever gone from Columbus to Calgary where the weather was noticeably better in Calgary than it was in Columbus. Because yesterday morning, that snow started to fall around, what, 8.30 in the morning, and it was fast and furious. And uh, we were supposed to leave at noon, and that got delayed because uh, the runways were covered, and it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a mess, but, I mean, it was a challenge, right? So we were delayed. So you get out here, and, and you get here late afternoon Calgary time. And, oh, by the way, your body clock's still two hours ahead, so that stinks. But, uh, like, when I wake up at 5 in the morning, and it's 7 in the morning, but it's 5 in the morning here. So you, you get here last night. You, you've got a game today, then go right to Edmonton tomorrow, have a practice tomorrow, play a game, go to Vancouver after the game, have a practice, have a game, go to Seattle, play a game, and then right back home. I, so the toughest part is the frequency of the games and the time change. You're, you're trying to adjust your body, and then there's no time built in for that. It's like boom, 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 here you go. And, and as I just described to you, when I'm talking about adjusting to a time change, it's going to change even further. You're going to lose another hour before this is all said and done. We didn't go all the way to the West Coast and work our way back. We started in the middle, we'll work our way west, and then come all the way back. So that that's the toughest part. Um, the easiest part of the trip is just, uh, I, I think, what I said before with those guys just being around, being around and, and being out of town, being separate from from everything that's going on and just being in their own little bubble uh, with their teammates. So that would be the easiest part of the trip. Morgan says, also, I'm following trade stuff obsessively, but I will feel more settled if you recap where we are with Gavrikov, Nyquist, and Corpusalo. Well, I don't know if you'll feel settled, but I'll tell you this. I don't expect any of them to be here after the trade deadline. Now, they could be, but I don't expect it. So I don't know if that helps you to feel more settled, Morgan, or if it makes you more anxious, or what it does. But you asked the question, and that's my answer. I don't expect any of those three to be here. Would I like them to be here? Yes, I would. Do I expect it? No, I don't. Is that going to create even more holes? You know it is. You take Gavrikov off your blue line. I mean, he's one of the bona fide NHL defensemen in this group. And no offense, there haven't been a lot of bona fide NHL defensemen in this group all year long. Now you're going to lose another one. Now, you hope to reap a reward from that. And you would hope, and I would think, you're going to be able to get a first-round pick in exchange for him. I mean, I... I I don't see how you cannot. If you could get, if you could get a first round pick for David Savard, you got to be able to get a first round pick for Vladislav Gavrikov, and maybe even a little bit more because he's, uh, you know, he's younger. He's got more upside. There's there's all kind of pluses to that. So that is it's it's going to stink to lose him on the blue line, but you're you're going to have to hope about reaping rewards in the future on that. Um. Corpusalo, do I even need to say how big of a hole that's going to create? And it's also easy to look at that situation and say, well, is anybody really going to be interested in taking him? And my answer is yes, because there are always teams that are looking to strengthen their goaltending situation for the playoffs, even if that's to bring in an extra guy in case of an injury. That there's going to be teams that are going to want to do that, and he's playing well when he has been healthy. This year, 
uh, when he's been in the lineup because he just had a miss for some uh, personal reasons, some family reasons there um, last week. But he's played well. I, I don't think anybody would dispute that. He looks better since he had his hip fixed. Um, you know, he's he's playing at a nice level. He's playing at a good level on a bad team throughout most of this year. He's been a bright spot. So that's going to create a hole. There's no doubt about that. My question with that is, this is what I'm really interested in. So let's say he gets dealt. What do you do for the the backup situation then? Like this Tarasov come up from Cleveland, or you probably want him to play, right? Probably want Tarasov to stay in a net and to play. So what happens there? I don't know. Maybe you do a deal with a team where you get another goaltender back. Maybe you you get a, a guy back that's also on a one-year deal or, or something like that. I, I don't know, but it's going to create a hole. There's no doubt about it. And Gus Nyquist, we've talked about this a million times. Gus can play anywhere in the lineup. He can play on any line, and uh, he's a contributor. And he hates to lose, and he loves to win, and those are all great attributes. But he, he's the kind of guy that could go on to a, a playoff team, and he can play third or fourth line. He can, he can fortify a playoff team in their bottom six. There's no question about that. And that's what the Sharks did with him a couple of years ago when they traded to get him from the Red Wings before he became a free agent and signed with the Blue Jackets. Along those lines, here's a question from Heather that says, do you think after the spark on Saturday night in the second and third period, Brad Larson will keep Jack Roslovic centering pa- uh, Patrick Line and Johnny Gaudreau? She calls it line one. I'm just going to say centering Patrick Line and Johnny Gaudreau and keep Boone Jenner with Gus Nyquist. And, uh, oh, I, I take that back. I take that back. That was Kent Johnson was playing with Johnny on Saturday, Nyquist was playing with Line A and Jenner. Do I think that he will keep it that way? I do. I really do think so. You know, it was interesting on Friday when the Blue Jackets practiced. They practiced with uh, Goudreau and Jenner, and then uh, and then they had Kirill Marchenko on that line, and then they flipped it. Yeah, wait a minute. What am I talking about here? So it was Jenner and Gaudreau and Johnson, and then it was Roslovic, Nyquist, and Line, right? Jack and Patty have to play together, apparently. And I say apparently because that's when it seems that each is at his best. So whatever whatever was going on the other night more than likely will go on again tonight. And uh, oh, he flipped those lines. That's right. He flipped the lines in the second period. Then he put Gaudreau and Line back together with Jack. That's Yeah, now that my brain is finally starting to work. That is the way that it went down. So, yeah, I would expect them to start the same way. And then it was Nyquist with Johnson and Jenner, which works. I think it works well, quite honestly, because, you know, that Kent's a playmaker and he's a get-the-puck-to-the-net kind of a guy, and, and Boone Jenner is a go-to-the-front-of-the-net guy. So that that works. I have no problem with that. So I would expect them to start that way tonight. But on last Friday, they skated one way, and they normally come back and play in the same combinations the next day. But – but they changed their mind, and they took Marchenko off that top line, which, you know, quite honestly, I would really like to see Kirill Marchenko get a chance to play on the other side of Johnny Gaudreau because I I just really like Kirill's game. I, I like the way he skates with a passion on every shift. I think he plays hard. Um, he plays both ends of the ice. He forechecks really well, and he's got a great shot. So maybe we'll see it at some point. Um, maybe we'll see it today. Who knows? 
but uh, I, I would like to see that. I, I really like, you know, in this whole season, it's been so many negatives. Uh, to me, Kirill Marchenko has been a real positive. He had to wait to get here. You know, they sent him to Cleveland out of camp. They wanted him to go get used to the North American ice. And he went to Cleveland, and he played well in Cleveland, and he waited, waited for his opportunity. And I'm sure there were days that he was not happy because there were guys that were leaving Cleveland all around him. They were going up, and he was still there, still waiting for his chance, still hoping. And, uh, you know, once he finally got that chance, really did make the most of it. So here he is already with nine goals. Next goal he scores, he's going to go double digits in the NHL. So um, he, he's been a real bright spot. He has. Uh, who else has been a bright spot here? Tim Bernie has been a bright spot. And I hesitated for a second there because if you have your full complement of defensemen, he probably gets edged out. But I think he's done really well in the role that he's been put in. Don't forget, Tim, here's another guy that had to wait. Jake Christensen came up ahead of him. Billy Sweezy actually came up. Billy didn't play in a game, but Billy came up and was here for about a week or a week and a half, and Bernie was still down in Cleveland and had to wait for his opportunity, and then he came up, and he was the one that got a chance to get into the lineup, and then once he did, there he stays. And he's really found a home there next to Eric Goodbranson. I I think those two guys have been good for each other. So, um, you know, Bernie has been a bright spot. There's... You know, I, I think sometimes we have to sift through it, right? You have to – it's been – the overall picture has been such a disappointment that sometimes you forget to sift through and find the bright spots in the whole deal. Corpusalo, as I was talking about earlier, that's been a bright uh, bright spot of this season for the Blue Jackets. So, um, yeah, I think that Brad Larson, I would expect him to go back to the same lines that he finished the game with the other night to start here this evening, barring some, I don't know, Unforeseen circumstance or something like that. That's what I expect, Heather. Uh, J.A. Tarps, or is that J. Tarps? I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, the question is, the question is the question. <laughs> Coach speak. The question is the question. Here is the question. It says, at what point do consistent mistakes become a coaching issue? Well, I would say in the case of the Blue Jackets, um, consistent mistakes become a coaching issue when you are no longer trying to play an American Hockey League team in the National Hockey League. When you have a full complement of players where you're not trying to train on the job at the highest level in the world. Guys I was just talking about, like Marchenko, like Tim Burney, Kent Johnson counts. Kent Johnson counts because he was only here for a handful of games last year. Uh, these guys are all doing on-the-job training at a higher level than they should be, more than likely. Not well. If Kent Johnson and Marchenko, you know, they're earning their spot here. Tim Burney, look, if you had your the seven guys you started the season with on defense, Tim Burney wouldn't be here. So there, there's just been too much on-the-job training. So consistent mistakes. Like what do you what do you want to talk about with consistent mistakes? Do you want to say Patrick Line continues to turn the puck over time and time again? And is is that a coaching issue? That is not. That's an issue of a player just trying to do too much with the puck, no matter how many times they're told 
and they're told over and over and over and over and over. And I can tell you they're told over and over. I just watched a practice the other day where they were being screamed at to shoot the puck, and they kept on passing it. So, you know, but that, that that's my answer to the question. When you're no longer trying to play an American Hockey League team in the National Hockey League, once you have a bona fide NHL team, then you can come back and talk to me about that. As long as the situation exists as it does right now and as it has throughout the entire season, don't talk to me about that. Just don't. I mean, we went through this last week, went through all this coaching stuff last week, and we don't need to rehash it. Just don't need to get into it again. I gave you my opinions on that last week. If you missed it, go back and listen to the last week's show. And you'll you'll get the full the earful of it again, if that's what you want. Uh, what do we have next here? Fire the cannon says a non-serious question for you. What's your favorite part of Nationwide Arena? Why is that a non-serious question? Like it's a or you mean non-hockey question or non-game related question? I can understand that, but non-serious question. I don't I don't understand that. But anyway, anyway, um. My favorite part of Nationwide Arena, I would say it's probably the dressing room because I can go there and you can't. No, that's not why. Um, it, it is my favorite part, though, especially now that it's been all redone because it's it's just cool and, and it's, uh, it's a different vibe and you're in there. Like when we go in there and the players are in there, it's, um, you know, okay, maybe what I said at the beginning was, was kind of true. I can go there and you can't. It, it's, a, it's a different dynamic that is not open to everyone, so... That is my that's my favorite place to go within the arena. Let's go to Twitter Spaces and bring on Irwin. Hello, Irwin. How are you? Not bad. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I wanted to go back and talk about the Gavrikov situation just a little bit. Um, when the Blue Jackets originally signed Eric Goodbranson, the one thing that I kind of looked at and worried about was I thought I, I, I knew it was an overpay. And it doesn't really bother me because there are some things that he does well. He's a good shot blocker. He doles out a lot of hits. There's some things to like about him for sure. But you do worry that other players look at the amount of money he gets and, and they use that as a starting point for their own negotiations. And so the reason why I bring this up is because it led me to wonder just how much money is Vladislav Gavrikov looking for. So I went through an exhaustive search of the league looking at other defensemen who are about the same age and about the same statistically to see roughly what they were making. And uh, Brandon Carlo is close, falls just a little bit short of Gavrikov. He just signed five years at 4.1 per. And then John Marino, who's really, really close to Gavrikov in age and, and numbers, just signed with New Jersey after being traded from Pittsburgh for five years at 4.4 million per season. So I look at the Gavrikov situation and I think to myself, General managers look at what other guys are getting and they make comparisons. I know they must be doing that. So if Gavrikov is looking for 4.6 or 4.7 million, I could see him being paid that. But if he's being offered something way above five, or wanting something rather way above $5 million, then I have to wonder if the meaning to the Blue Jackets madness is to let him and his agent try and go out and negotiate with other teams and that he might find out that there's nobody else willing to pay him that much money. Do you suppose that might be coming into play here? Uh, I guess maybe it could be, but um, but I'm not sure. I don't know. And, I, you know, again, 
I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He does have them over a barrel because he is, in my opinion, right now as the defense goes out there night in and night out, he's their best defenseman. And, uh, and they don't have a lot of experience back there with the injuries that they have. And even as we talk about the, the David Yurchek's are coming and, and the other guys that they've drafted in the last couple of years, they're still going to come here as rookies and have to adjust to this league. I mean, this guy is a bona fide NHL defenseman, and, and he doesn't have to do any more learning. He just has to go out and play his game. So, um, so he, he can demand a lot of money from this organization. He would be dumb not to. Um, but I don't know the number that he's asking, and I don't know if they're letting him go out there. Look, somebody's going to take him, Irwin. You know somebody wants him. There is a playoff team that would love to add him on their second pair. There's no doubt about that. Now, will it be a team that he'll go to and he'll play in the playoffs and then they're going to sign him to a long-term contract, or is it going to be a team that's going to use him for the playoffs and then not sign him? I have no idea. But actually, as much as it will stink to lose him, I think the way this year has gone, you might as well go ahead and, and get the pick for him. And, I, I mean, it, the, to me, this is kind of a start-all-over kind of thing. Um, and if he's not – if the money's not going to work out and he's not going to be a part of the long-term thing, get your first-round pick and whatever else you can get and, and move along with it. Yeah, well, you know, you kind of bring up another good point for me, though, too. Uh, you know, we're all kind of excited about the draft and what might shake out there. But I, I think what we need to remember is – even the guys who sit at the top of this year's draft, you're talking about guys that are, you know, 18 years old. Uh, most of them are a couple, three years away from being uh, impact players in the NHL or all but one. being rookies in the NHL. All but one. Yeah. But uh, what I'm thinking is I would still like to see us go out and pick up a center to put up on the top line and be able to move Boone down onto the wing to give us more forward depth. And if you're not bringing back Gavrikov and you do have some money to spend in free agency, I've noticed that Jonathan Taves, he's going to be free at the end of the season. He's had an amazing impact on Max Domi. Max's numbers are unbelievable. He's a beast in the face-off circle now, and he gives Taves credit for that. About all of Chicago's centers are above 50% in the dot. They're playing well, and they all credit Taves. Do you think he'd be a good guy to bring in and just have for maybe two or three years or whatever and have him work with the Ken Johnsons and the Cylinders and whoever we get in the draft, maybe even a guy like Ross Levesque, that would have a good chance to maybe raise their game and, and really pay dividends years after he's gone? I think he would be an excellent guy to bring in. I think he would do all of the things that you just talked about. I think he would fill a leadership gap that I believe that this team has right now, and I'm not even certain that if everybody was here, there wouldn't still be a bit of a leadership gap because I keep sitting here and I I look at the guys that left here. Nick Foligno, David Savard, Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, uh, I, not just them as players, their character. And has their character been replaced? I don't think it has. And it's hard to replace the character of some of those guys. So he would be a good character guy. I mean, he's a captain in Chicago. He would, yeah, he, he I don't care what his age is. I, I think there would be a complete upside to that. Now, and I'm going to tell you something that you already know. Would he come to a place like Columbus? Because at his age, he's going to be look, looking to win another Stanley Cup and not maybe three years down the road because he may not have three years down the road. You know what I mean? Well, uh, you know, and I agree with that, but he does have three Stanley Cups. And at age 35, 
if it were me, I'd be more interested in getting as many dollars as I could get because I don't have that many NHL paychecks left coming to me. Yeah, well, that's true. But he's also made a lot of money. I mean, he's never going to have to work another day in his life. So do you want to go do you want to go somewhere and and help to mature an organization or do you want to go somewhere that's already matured? Uh, let, let's just say just for argument's sake, do you want to go to the Boston Bruins and become a, a lower piece but win another cup before it's all said and done? Or do you want to go somewhere that you may not win a cup but you may get paid? And again, when you have that much money, I don't I don't know him personally, so I don't know how he would evaluate that. But you understand what I mean. Some guys, it's like, oh, the money at this point is not a big deal. I just want to win. Uh, yeah, I understand where you're going with that. I mean, for sure. But I mean, I just look at it and say, maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't hurt to kick the tires on him. See what he wants. To oh, do, I'd kick the tires. I'd, I'd kick the tires with steel toed boots, man. I, I There's yeah. no doubt about that. Because like I said, everything you said is absolutely right. I mean, the, the upside to having that, not just that type of player, but that actual player, I think would be really big. I think it would add a lot in a lot of different places, in a lot of different ways. But um, I don't know if it would happen. But, yes, I, I'd kick the tires because I think it's a great idea. See, I'll, I'll say this, and I'll let you move on. I I only see one other guy possibly being available to us, and that would be Dylan Larkin. But I don't know how interested I'd be in him. I, I like him, but I don't love him. Uh, the skinny has it. He wants north of $9 million, and they're not really wanting to give him that much money. And it was out last summer that Iserman probably liked Bo Horvat a lot more than Larkin. And the way this thing has played out that neither one of them have signed, I, I kind of wonder if there's a lot of truth to that because Horvat is from southern Ontario, not far from Detroit. And so that could be something at work there. But I wonder if, you know, maybe if the Blue Jackets didn't get lucky and fell like fourth in the draft and had to settle for a guy like Mitchkov, who wouldn't be available for three years, uh, maybe you'd bring in Larkin and then halfway through that contract, then you would bring in Mitchkov. And by the time Larkin's contract expired, uh, Mitch Koff would be ready for his UFA years and you'd be able to have the money to extend him. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I, I do. And when we were in Detroit last week, I was talking with a lot of people about this, about what's going on with Dylan Larkin. And they pointed out to me, they reminded me of how Steve Eiserman handled Steven Stamkos in Tampa, which you'll recall, he actually let him become a free agent. And he let him shop around and take a look and see what was there. And ultimately, Stamkos came back to the Lightning, and he signed there. And a lot of people think that he may be doing the same thing with Dylan Larkin. But um, I do understand what you're saying, too. And, and the thing about Dylan Larkin, I think you're right. He would All the things we talked about with Taze, he's, I know he's the captain of the Red Wings, but he's still a relatively young guy. Um, you know, Taze has, I think he has a lot of character things that, I'm not sure that Dylan Larkin has. But I'll tell you what Dylan Larkin does have is his best friend plays on the blue line for the Blue Jackets. So that wouldn't be a bad thing to have him and Zach reunited. I mean, I, I would I would be fine with that. And I understand what you're saying, too, about uh, if you if you get in a position where you draft uh, Mitchkoff. And, it, and there's a lot of, you know, there would be concern there because he's Russian and when will he come over and will he ever come over? I mean, look, Marchenko's finally here. We've waited four years for this guy to finally come to North America. Uh, Voronkov is supposed to come next year, as I always say on this show. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. That's no offense to the kid. It's just that until you're here, I don't know if you're going to be here. So, uh, But I will tell you this, Erwin. I had a, a conversation 
with a couple of scouts uh, when we were in Detroit. And there are people that love Mitchkoff, and I mean love him, just for the potential he has and what he can do. And they know that it would be a waiting game for him to come over. But uh, there was one guy I talked to in particular that said, if I was a general manager, I'd take him. He said, if I was a general manager and I had the second overall pick, I would take him in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it, and I wouldn't care what anybody said about it because I think he's going to be a Bedard-type player. So that'll be interesting to see, depending on where well, you, you know, where you, where you, you know, land. We have to remember, the, the guys that are behind uh, Bedard in the draft, like the Fantillis and the Carlsons, they're just 18. Fantillis only a college freshman. He can stay at Michigan a couple of more years. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend that. No offense. Yeah. Especially well, as a centerman. I, I mean, we're seeing it with Kent Johnson. And I, you know, especially as a centerman. I know Fantilli's a bigger guy. But let him mature there a little bit. Yeah, to your point, you're still going to be waiting. You're still going to be waiting. You're not going to – unless you get Connor Bedard, that, that guy appears to be one of the, a franchise guy. I, I think a lot if, – if the Blue Jackets somehow got that first overall pick and got him, I think it would change so many things in this organization, not just for now but for a long time. In the positive, obviously. But if you're not going to get him, uh, yeah, I think you're right. There's still, I would, I'd pump the brakes and, and figure whoever you're going to get two to three years, you better be, you better be planning on that long to wait until you're going to get the, the full return for whoever you draft. Hey, always great to talk to you. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. And uh, that's actually going to wrap it up because I've got to go and I've got to get on a bus and I've got to go over to the Saddle Dome and, Watch Johnny Gaudreau talk to the media here and uh, watch the morning skate and all that good stuff. So thank you for being part of this uh, tonight. The Blue Jackets taking on the Calgary Flames. 9.30 start time. 9.30 start time back in Columbus. Don't forget that. Uh, Tonight's game is an ESPN Plus game. So ESPN Plus or Hulu is where you can watch it. The only Blue Jackets broadcast you can get on this game is with me on the Blue Jackets Radio Network. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 o'clock tonight. Face-off at 9.30. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.